struck by the, the first reading today. If you've noticed throughout the Easter season, we've been here with both at daily Mass and in Sunday Mass, different sections from the book of the Acts of the Apostles. So we're here in the early church and how they're responding to what happened some five weeks ago. Um, and we're seeing different elements of the church being lifted up for us. And today, we're introduced to one of the most prominent, prominent and for some notorious figures of the early church, and that's Paul. The reading that we heard today was immediately after Paul's conversion. Jesus had just appeared to him. He comes to preach to the people, and we hear that the people were afraid to welcome him because they didn't believe that he was a disciple. Now, to them, in their minds, they knew who Paul was because he was the exact opposite of a disciple. He was the one, he was known more than anyone who was responsible for the arrest, the murder, the persecution of hundreds, if not thousands, of Christians. His number one mission was to squash out this whole Jesus thing that was happening, to end it once and for all. That's what he was known for. Not just like, like big-name people, like Stephen, one of the first deacons. Paul was responsible for his stoning to death. So the Christians, hearing that this man was now preaching the word of God, understandably, I don't know about that, maybe it's a trap, is he trying to kind of lure us in to trick us so that then he can turn us all in? They, they were afraid of him. They pushed away. They did not believe that he was a disciple. And I think Paul teaches us a very important lesson in the way that he responds to that. Because I'm sure Paul, Paul knew what Paul did. Paul knew what his history had. He knew all the things he had done against the church. Paul heard all the voices of these people who were afraid of him. They didn't believe him. They didn't welcome him. They didn't want him. And now, because he started preaching in the name of Jesus... The Jews that he was once a part of also wanted to kill him that we heard in the reading. So now not only is the new people that he was trying to join himself to rejected him, the old people who he left rejected him. He's got nobody who wants him, it seems like. And he's aware of all these things that he's done in the past that I'm now sure post-conversion are weighing on him. It would have been very easy to Paul to listen to all of those voices and to say, like, I can't do this. This isn't for me. It's not working. It's not worth it. I've done too many things. No one's ever going to accept me. This call Jesus gave, this, this must not be for me. That's for the other people, the apostles, who didn't do all those, good, all those things. I'm just going to have to go, go figure out something else to do. He could have done that. And it would have made perfect sense for him to do that. But the very life of Paul proves something radically different. Nothing that he did he knew this. Nothing that he did could disqualify him, could, could remove him, could separate him from the call that Jesus Christ had given to him. He could do nothing so bad, so grievous, so horrible, that it, that it disqualified him, it separated him from the call that Jesus Christ had placed on his heart. Paul shows us that he is not ashamed of all of the things that he's done in his past, but in fact those are acts for him it's the place of proof of how great the love of God, how great the power and the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus Christ is able to work in, in his life and in his heart. His entire mission was to preach that. The grace of God is for everybody, and nothing that you do can disqualify you from receiving that grace. The power of the cross of Jesus Christ is able to conquer, to overcome everything in, in, that we've done. Because he knows that everybody has a past. 
everybody has a history. We all have places of shame in our life and in our heart that we feel like separate us from God. In those places of my heart, I feel separated from Jesus. And Paul, more than anything, in every letter that he writes, every church that he founds, that theme is throughout all of it. Nothing is able to separate us from what God has done for us. Nothing is able to conquer the grace that Jesus Christ is offering to us. And as I was just reflecting on that and thinking about that, I was just made aware of how often that theme is throughout all of his letters. Paul, who says to the Roman people, he says, it's where sin increased, where sin abounds, that grace is able to abound all the more. And because of that, he kind of has a triumphant like rejoicing, like, who can separate us from the love of God, he says. Tribulation, or distress, or persecution, famine, can anything separate us from Jesus? And he says, no, in fact, we're more than conquerors through all of these things because of him who loved us, because of what Jesus has done. Neither height, nor depth, nor things in the past, the present, the future, nothing can separate us from the love of God that Jesus Christ has poured into each one of our hearts. And that gives him great cause for rejoicing. He acknowledges, he says, I'm the least of all the apostles. I wasn't fit to be called to be an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me is not in vain. He recognizes the power of the grace of God and what is done in his heart. He says, I know who I am, and more importantly, I know who God is. And so I'm not going to lose heart because I know I'm imperfect, but I'm so convinced of how powerful and how deep the love of God is for us and for me that I know nothing can ever change that. Again and again, and that's why he's able to rejoice because he knows it's not rested upon him. It's rested upon the mercy of God who came, Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And I'm the foremost of all the sinners, but I received mercy so that Jesus Christ would display his perfect love as an example to those who are going to believe in him. Paul, for him, all these things that he's writing about, all these things are not just ideas. He doesn't just know that Jesus would do that. The reason that his words have power, the reason why his words converted thousands of millions of people, that we still read his words 2,000 years later, these were just letters that he wrote to churches. He didn't intend this to be canonically inspired work of the Holy Spirit, that we're still reading these letters. The reason that his words have such power is because he experienced the love of God in his heart. And it's not his words, but it's the love and the grace of Jesus speaking through him, that is able to witness to this so powerfully so that 2,000 years later, we still go back to that experience. It shows how incredibly powerful the experience and encounter of Jesus is. If we receive that love of God, like that's transformative. Transformation happens in every heart that can begin to understand this great grace that God has given to us. And the beautiful thing, as Jesus tells us in the gospel, we want that. We want to be like Paul. We want to experience the love of God so powerfully that they're reading our words 2,000 years later, maybe, who knows? Jesus says, all you have to do is remain in me. 
I'm in you and you're in me. That is it. Our temptation is to make everything way too complicated. I have to do this. I have to do that. Once I get rid of this, once I do this, I have to do all these things. Jesus says, if, if you're doing anything apart from me, it is nothing. All you have to do, it's so simple. It seems too good to be true. All you have to do is remain in me, and I will be in you, and you will bear so much fruit. Not because of what you're doing, not because of all the things that you think you have to do, but because by remaining in me, my, the, the love that I've poured out into your heart is able to shine forth. Paul, more than anything, remained in the Lord Jesus. God is the one who prunes. God is the one who takes away. God is the one who purifies and transforms our hearts. That's not our job. Our job is not to fix all the interior problems that we see in our life. That's grace. That's what God is promising to do. If we only remain connected to the vine, if we remain connected to the one who loves us so much. Paul did that. And because he did that, it's precisely in those areas of life where he allowed God to bring his healing love that he became a great disciple. It's not like I would have, he would have been a better disciple if he hadn't done all those things. It's because he was able to encounter the love of Jesus in those areas of shame that the love of God was able to shine forth that much more brightly. His past became a proof of how great God's love was. That's why he's not ashamed to write about it. He says, I'm not ashamed of this because it's a symbol, it's a sign, a reminder of how great God's love is. And that very same love, he wants to speak to each one of our own hearts. All we have to do is remain. Remain in him. Today we begin, well, yesterday we began, May, the month of Mary. And today at Mass, we're gonna, we're, in just a few minutes, we're going to crown her as queen, and we're going to crown her as our mother. As we enter into this month, I think it's a beautiful opportunity to run to her. She who most perfectly remained. She remained at the foot of the cross, the hardest place it was to remain. She knows what it is to remain in difficulty, to remain in pain. She desires to lead us, to be with us as we remain with the Lord. As we crown her today and pray to her, through her intercession in a special way, we pray that she might help us to remain just as she perfectly did, that we might receive the love of God more deeply into our hearts.